Happy Easter morning. Amen. Amen. I'm going to ask Brother uh, Derek to help us sing that chorus one more time. He lives. And when we say he lives within my heart, I just want to hear it. All right. Why don't you stand? We're all standing. believe it he lives within my heart I do believe it amen we'll just have a word of prayer heavenly father we say kind heavenly father Jehovah Jireh you have provided everything we have need of for our lives for eternal life for today tomorrow and whatever future we have you have provided it you're the great provider. We want to bless your name today, Lord. We want to be a true witness of the true vine. Lord Jesus, Lord Jesus, you're worthy of every effort that we can make. And you're worthy of all of our strength and all of our life and energy that we have. You have given us this, Lord, and we thank you for it. We thank you for voices that we can sing and praise and Glorify your name that you are the resurrected Christ. We want to thank you this morning that you have sent a message that is evidence of the resurrection. Amen. Lord, and we are living proof of that resurrection. Bless now the word and as we approach it in Jesus' name, amen. Amen. You may be seated. I have one uh, quote I want to put up first. And then uh, Brother John, would you come and read this? Okay, we'll have this first quote. And I, I want you to be able to uh, read it with us. I made it as large as possible so you can all read it. Uh, and I just want to emphasize, he conquered. Amen. <laughs> that sounds good. Amen. The royal seed of Abraham. Now the natural seed could not point to that. But the royal seed can conquer. Amen. Already conquered. Yes. For he has gone before us and conquered every gate for us. Amen. He is now, after 2,000 years, he stands in the midst of us, yes. the mighty conqueror. Yes. Not only did he conquer sickness, he conquered sickness. Yes, he, he conquered temptation. Amen. I want to just stop there for a moment. How many of you remember just two weeks ago, uh, Brother Gindo had sent me an email 
and he said, I'd like to have Sister Francine and I will come up for prayer. Amen. Sister Francine has had leukemia and a disease of the bones, a disease of the cancer of the marrow of the bones. And two weeks ago, she stood here. Her count was at 60, which I don't understand all the cell count, the white cell count, I believe it was at 60. And it needed to be around five or six. And in one, in, and she went immediately after prayer. I don't know just which day, and that's irrelevant. But she went back, brother and sister Gendo sitting here. She went back to the doctor, and her count was down to 20. And they said, but don't say anything yet. So I'm being a good boy. I'm not, I'm not going to say anything. They wanted to go once more. And they went uh, once more to the doctor. And Sister Gindo, who you can shake hands with after the service, they said that her blood is perfect. Why don't you stand up, Sister Gindo? Here she is, Brother Gindo. Praise God. Praise God. And, and not only that, while they're still standing, the white, court, uh, the white cell count went down to four. Amen. Hallelujah. Amen. I say, he's risen. Amen. He's alive. Amen. And as the prophet said, and he's with us. Amen. He's here in the place. Amen. Here in this place. And uh, uh, not only did they say about the blood count, but they said that they, they, what else was it they said about the marrow, the bones? Uh, there was another, it was just normal. And they want, I want to give glory to God. It's one thing to ask, it's another thing to give glory to God. Amen. Amen. God bless you. Thank you for that testimony. And thank you for that faith. Brother Jim, Sister Joy, it's good to see you. God bless you. Have we finished this here? No, I think we, we just got, he conquered a few things there. Hallelujah. He conquered sickness. Yes. He conquered temptation. He conquered every enemy. He conquered death. He conquered hell. He conquered the grave. And rose up again. And 2,000 years later, here he stands among us this afternoon. Identifying himself. The mighty conqueror. Amen. He's here alive. Vindicating his promise. Royal seed of Abraham. Oh my. Amen. Thank you, brother. Amen, amen. Isn't it wonderful? Nice to see Brother Ed Heimermeister, Heimermeister here with us. His wife, God bless you. And all who are visiting, I want to, I want to speak on something that will be very natural for this Easter morning. We shall all be 
changed. If you'd like to stand one more time, I'm going to read out of Romans, the 12th chapter, verses 1 and 2. And uh, this is the text reading that uh, the prophet of God used for his message, the power of transformation. So if you bear that in mind while we read these two verses, the power of transformation. And in the service now, the message, I want to, you can take, take uh, notes if you wish. Now, a lot of you have, are students or have been students, and I would expect you to absorb this as a, as a lesson, a Sunday school lesson. Now, Brother Bram talked about Sunday school lessons, and I think he said that he referred to Christ as the mystery of God relieved, uh, revealed, I think, and that's about a three-hour service. So uh, we, I won't be that long, but I might be over an hour, so just hang on. All right, we've been a long time since we've been studying and preparing. All right, we'll read uh, Romans, the 12th chapter, verses 1 and 2. I beseech you, therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, that you present your bodies a living sacrifice, holy, acceptable unto God, which is your reasonable service. And be not conformed to this world, but be ye transformed, by the renewing of your mind, that you may prove what is that good and acceptable and perfect will of God. I'd like to have you notice with me the second verse, and be not conformed. We're not to be conformed to the world or the influence of the world, and I will be referring to that quite a bit the influence of things. And then, uh, but be ye transformed, and it doesn't just say transformed, the prophet said the power of transformation. So the emphasis today is on the power of transformation. Where is that power? And I'll be dwelling on that a bit now. Be transformed, and now he refers to the power by the renewing of your mind that you may prove what is that good and perfect, acceptable and perfect will of God. Heavenly Father, I'm praying that you will be the speaker. Let the Holy Ghost speak. You're the only one that can speak to the very soul of the individuals. I pray that you will be the speaker. We know, Lord Jesus, you are the resurrected one. So I pray by your resurrection power, you will speak to the individual life now. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. You may be seated. Brother Murphy Wong is going to be speaking tonight. And uh, we're real happy about that. So I'm sure you'll hear some things of the most recent trip to China. 
So now I want to have you think with me about the power of transformation. Not just transformation, but the power of transformation. It's a change. Transformation is a change. And there are many things in this life, and by when I wrote this down, I was aware that this would encompass everyone. There isn't anyone who has not experienced some kind of change or transformation. And it's a big subject, and I hope to touch on a number of areas, and then you can go and be thinking about it and pondering it, and I'll let God, by the Holy Spirit, quicken that to you and make the transformation that he desires, that he desires in your life. And there's various things that he uses, and I will touch on those as well. There are many things in life that can and do change or transform us. Uh, education can change a young man or a young woman from a teenager into not, not merely an adult, because that is something that just happens within the individual. But it, it can bring a transformation. God is able to bring a transformation into an individual, and not only able, but there, there's something for us to do, and that is to yield and allow it happen. I'm going to be speaking about uh, two or three individuals today, and some out of the Bible, and some are because they lived the life they lived, you are here. I want you to think about that, and then I want you to make it personal to yourself. Where's your influence, and how can that change? Education can change. It'll take a young man or a young woman, and I'll just say it might turn them into some skilled person. They weren't skilled, but they become skilled. How do they become skilled? Well, they've studied, they've gone to college, they've gone to university, they have got, taken classes, and some specialists, I know brain, uh, brain surgeons, can go to school for 12 or 15 years in order, because they, they, they start, and perhaps they're very awkward, uh, I, w I, was with the, I was with Brother Branham one time, and there was a doctor, and he was from Washington State somewhere, and uh, had gotten a bear, and so we stopped, and he was, Brother Branham said, well, don't you want to save the skin? Well, well yeah, he thought he might want to save the skin, and, uh, but he didn't know anything about hunting. He absolutely nothing, nothing about it. And he took out a little, uh, little knife, that uh, I think it was one of these, you know, 99 cent all in one things. <laughs> and, and he started hacking at the, at the bone. And Brother Branham just said to me, he said, if I ever get sick, he said, just remind me not to call him. <laughs> <laughs> so, so he wasn't really maybe skilled or as, a, as accomplished as he should be, but we can say that what the things they studied and the people who had gone before them had made a way and they become skilled and become a wonderfully uh, a, a wonderful physician, a wonderful surgeon 
But it was not the power that God's talking about. They were transformed, but not by this power that God is talking about. Are you with me? I want to fix that in your mind. There's different kinds of power. There are some that are, were, were born. We're born as a, a, a male or a female. We're born. And, and we develop in life. There's, there's, there's something within us that changes us from childhood. And Apostle Paul says, when I was a child, I spake as a child. He saw things as a child. But when he became a man, he said, I put away childish things. Not that those childish things were wrong or bad, but he had come to a different season of life. And, uh, and he had changed. But that is not necessarily the power. Now, that's a power that has been put in you. But that's not necessarily the power. And I suggest to you, it's not the power that God is talking about when the prophet says the power of transformation. I want you to think about that now. The power of transformation. Who, where, when? Where's this power? Well... We shall all be changed. And often we put that into the future, but I want to say to you, we are being changed. And if the living Word of God, which He has sent down and is being spoken, it doesn't, it makes no difference what kind of a vessel it comes in, but if we give it due honor, and do respect, and we say, as far as I'm concerned, that's you, Almighty God. You're the Holy One of Israel. You're the Almighty. You're the Creator of heavens and earth. You have spoken. You raised up Jesus from the dead. The tomb is empty. And I, when I say, He lives, He lives. I know He lives because He's made a change in me. Not just that I quit smoking or quit drinking or those things, because we've had a prophet saying that that is not the sin. Those are the attributes of sin. But the, the sin is unbelief. But you have, Almighty God, I don't even know why I believe, but I believe. I believe what you have sent. I believe what other people disdain and where they're critical about and they care nothing for it. But somehow I believe it. Why do you believe it? Because that's the power that God is speaking about. You believe it because you believe it. You may not even explain it. Jesus said, uh, he spoke to the disciples. They didn't know why they believed it, but they believed it. And they couldn't explain it, the prophet says. They could not explain it, but they believed it. I just want to fix that in your heart and in your soul and your mind. You can believe something that you cannot explain. You can't explain why a bumblebee that is too heavy to fly and his wings are not uh, the size that they should be and so on and so forth, but he flies very well. Outside of, uh, outside of our window, we have a hummingbird feeder. Those hummingbirds, they come and they drink that uh, almost solid, I won't say solid, it's liquid. 
But it's very, very sweet when I see my wife make it. I mean, I hate to think I couldn't have that like that. It is so sweet. Just sugar and water, and they lap that up. But I, I, and I, I do say, I said, you know, I think they've used it all up. They come and fly in there, and, uh, their wings beating at, at so many times a second, and they fly. I mean, they got helicopters beat all hollow. They go forward and for, forward and backward and whichever way, and they'll take it. And they're so nervous. I would be too if I had that kind of food. My, they just sit there and they're looking all around. And they take a lick and then they look around and, and, then, and then they leap up and zoom, they're gone. I tell you what, I don't know how many times their wings have to fly when they go up into the tree. But why do they do that? They're, hum, they're, they're hummingbirds. We call them our hummers. Boy, they can hum. They just... And my wife goes out there and she, she, she'll think about them before she thinks about my breakfast. <laughs> she'll go out there and, and she says, I got to knock the snow off of the railing because I got to get the hummingbird feed. She said, I think that thing's frozen. So she comes in and thaws it all out and pours fresh in there and goes out there and she'll just give a couple of whistles. Now, my wife's not the world's best whistler, but she gives a couple of little whistles, and they come zooming out of the trees, wherever they come from, and they, they know that the hummingbird feeder is fixed, and it's not frozen anymore. Isn't that wonderful? What made them like that? I don't know. God made them like that. No one. We can figure out and study them for years, and we... They are amazed at their colors, and Brother Steve Meyer from Hudson Hope. I mean, you, you, you might say these people are very, very, very near to the earth, but he's told me things, and he has his binoculars, and he has to look at the birds. He's not interested in a whole lot of sights in Vancouver, but he wants to see the birds. And he was telling me, uh, Brother Tim, that he says... These beautiful uh, designs that you see and the colors, he said it takes all of uh, all the feathers, one on top of another, to make that color. And the design of one, uh, one feather, the other one overlays it, and another one overlays it, and uh, you need them all in order to make the design of that bird. And I thought that was just so amazing. Here's someone from Hudson Hope is telling me something I didn't learn in school. Hey, teachers, you know, there's a lot of things we can learn. And you just hang on to your seats. I'm going to talk about gifted children in a few minutes. That's going to be exciting. Amen. One is born with talents or gifts and have a teacher or mentor or coach to identify the ability. Where did the ability come from? You know, I have a, a daughter here and she would come and stand beside my bed on my side and I don't know if she did this to her mother but she did it all the time 
and she'd come in her little nightgown and be tapping, and it was, it was like the water dripping on a guy's head. <laughs> Just tap, 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 tap. Finally, I'd open my eyes, I'd say, yes, Marilyn. And she couldn't say her R's. I'm letting some secrets out now. But she got that from me. I couldn't say my R's when I was a kid. And uh, so she said, yes, Marilyn. I said, what do you need? She says, I need a pencil and a paper. Oh, you need a pencil and a paper. Well, she's always needed a pencil and a paper because that was the artist in her that was coming out when she was three years old, three and a half or four years old. But you know what? She needed some schooling, and she needed some teachers. When, she, uh, when we were in Toronto a few years ago, I'm, I'm going to talk about a living Christ, and uh, school teachers and principal called for us to come to the school. My wife went. I wasn't able to go. And they said, something is wrong with this child. And we'd like you to give her some brain tests. And so we took her down to a specialist. And they put 22 wires in her head to take some brainwave tests on our daughter. And one of the specialists said, she will need glasses, and she will need hearing aids in both ears by the time she's 10 years old. And we took her, just exactly like brother and sister Gendo, and brought her to the front of the service, the West End Revival Center, where we attended at that time. And uh, that eventually put us out because of the message. But nevertheless, God honors faith. He doesn't care where it is. He honors faith. It could be at a well. It could be at a pool. It could be any place. But God will honor faith. God will honor faith, your faith today. In this service, say, even you may not understand what's being preached, but he'll honor your faith. You need to honor him. Say, I believe you're alive. And furthermore, I believe that you're here. And furthermore, even though it may not look at, I believe that you're speaking to us now over that pulpit, over that piece of wood. I believe you're speaking to us, and I accept it as that. Yeah, you'll have what you ask. Glory. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. We don't want to just come to church. We want to see things happening. Glory. And we brought her up on a Wednesday night service. And had her prayed for and went back to the same specialist. And her hearing was perfect. She's never had hearing aids. Hallelujah. Never had to have those glasses that they were talking about. And furthermore, we finally got led to a certain specialist. And he said, nothing wrong with her. He said, she's ambidextrous. It wouldn't matter to her if she started on this side of the page or at the bottom and started working up, whatever, it's all the same. He said, have you got her playing the piano? Yes. All of our daughters are learning piano. He said, she can't play the piano. A guitar, maybe, but not to coordinate her hands that, that way. Because, and so that's just the way it's been. I'll stop there. You know, uh, She'll pick up a pair of scissors and use the left hand to cut it and take bread and slice it with the right hand and...
I don't understand it. God makes a person a certain way, but then that has to be developed. And, and that is developed that you're here as a believer. Unfortunately or fortunately, those things, the things that you hear, you're not just hearing sermons, folks. You're hearing things that you must take and develop. We, we, you know, Stephen Hawking passed away here a few days ago. He's such a brilliant mind in such a decrepit body as it was. I went and saw him here in Vancouver. I was always interested in things and the universe and so on. And he, he, he was just way over and beyond. But that didn't happen by accident. He was, he, perhaps you or I can't reach to those kind of things. And so I don't want to just speak of things that's perhaps way beyond you. You might say, oh, uh, I could never do that. Well, there was a little woman, my wife was on a bus in Victoria, and a woman was getting on the bus, and she was, I think, 102 years old. She was going downtown shopping. <laughs> All women like to shop. Doesn't matter how old they are. She was going down, and uh, bus, the bus driver went to help her. And he, says, he started to say, I, I hope I'm able to do that, you know, when I'm uh, 90 or something. And she said, young man, you don't know what you'll do. <laughs> and that's what I want to say to the congregation here, because I'm going to be reading about some outstanding people and you say, oh, well, I, you know, that was this person, that was that person, that was the other person. You don't know what you'll do. You don't have to do anything that is marvel to the world. You don't have to be some great sports star to the world, but you may be a star. Let, let, me, talk about, uh, let me talk about gifted children just for a moment because I'm going to take a little while on it. But the children of God are gifted children. There's certain people that actually pack eternal life in them and with them. Don't tell me they aren't gifted children. There are some children that have done a lot of bad things and God has simply said, you are forgiven. Don't tell me that's not a gifted child. Amen. Hallelujah. Amen. You're forgiven. Amen. And there are some children who've done some bad things who their heavenly father, not their earthly father, he remembers it. And maybe the earthly mother remembers it. But the earthly father says, and I have not only forgiven you, I have forgotten it. Tell me they aren't gifted children. But you may need to develop that a little bit. You may need to do that. Say, well, the first thing I have to do is confess the same thing. And the first thing I have to do is I have to forget. Also, like my father forgot it, I have to forget it. I have to move on from here. Can you say amen to that? Gifted children. Gifts that we're born with. 
You say a career, well, a career, people develop things. They have to develop it. They have to work at it. You that are, I see the kids today, you young people, I see you with your pack sacks. And you go home with your books and a big load of books. I often wonder, I say that I, I'm, I'm going to be perfectly honest, I say to my wife, what in the world are these kids packing in their suitcase? What are they packing in their pack, backpack? I hope that you, when you come to school the next day or two, you've got it up here. Not on your back, but up here. It's supposed to be transferred, isn't it? And it's supposed to transfer into your body. And so that you're acting different and you do things different. I have, I have a brother, very dear brother friend of mine that's not here. He's from a black brother from Congo. But he saw some of our young people here. And we have a different culture, perhaps. I don't say it's a good culture. I'm not saying it's better. But he saw kids at the school here walk in, open the door and just walk in, leave an adult coming in behind them. He stopped and he said to his son, who's sitting here, said, don't you ever, don't you ever do that. Don't you ever go in ahead of an adult. You open the door for them because that's what they're taught. You open the door for them and you let them go on. I know when I was a, when I was a child, I thought as a child, I did as a child, but when every once in a while I'd get a snap on the side of my head and my dad would want me to wake up. <laughs> he wanted me to know that I never called anybody by their first name. I'd say, Mr. Mr. Dodd, Mr. Andes, or Mr. something. That's what we did as young people and as children. That was our culture. It's not bad. It's okay. It's, it's a kind of respect. But now, you know, if we get very casual, one thing we want to leave is our casual approach outside. Because when you come in, oh, God, righteous Father, I so love your presence. And you want to approach it differently. You want to approach it respectfully. You know, I was very moved. I've got quite a few scriptures here I'm going to give. Have we all, are we all right for time? Yeah. All right. Brother Bram talks about the little girl. Now you talk about a gifted child. She's just a little girl, but she couldn't walk right. And she came up and kissed Brother Branham's coat pocket. And the next day, she didn't need her braces, and she walked normally. And Brother Branham said she was healed. She was healed that day when she just kissed his pocket because she was expressing her respect for the God that was in him. Not him, necessarily, but the God. She doesn't know. She's just overcome with something, so she does it. And I have another example of that same thing, but we'll go on. 
Have I made, have I made a point yes. yet? Okay. Gifted children, gifts that we were born with. And I read, uh, not all children excel in academics. Some display creative or artistic, uh, artistic or musical and leadership abilities. But all of these need to be developed. A gifted child in the Old Testament. There's one. Now, I might need some young people here. Oh, maybe. Who's eight years old? Do we have a boy eight years old? Anybody eight years old? Nobody in the building eight years old. Are you eight years old? Which one? We don't have anybody eight years old. Well, there's a boy in the Old Testament. He was eight years old. He was born into royalty. So, well, I, I'm, I'm not there. Oh, you, you don't know. I'm born into royalty. According to the word of God, according to what I believe in my heart, said, well, have you got a ticket? Have you got a piece of paper? Now I got something bigger than a piece of paper. I've been born into royalty. You've been born into royalty. This boy was eight years old when he was born into, he was born into royalty. And when he was eight years old, his father had died and he became the king. And his name was Josiah. That's not the end of it. You say, well, that's a gifted child. He was born into royalty. No, no. No. God gave him a heart. And a, and a woman who was a prophetess sent a word to him and said, and God was so angry with Israel and Judah. He said, he's going to break things down. He's going to, he's going to turn his back on them. And they're going to be destroyed and all of these things. But she sent a message because there was a, that boy that was eight years old when he was either 18, it says in the 18th year. The Bible says in the 18th year. But it might have been the 18th year of his reign, which would make him 26. So it was between 18 and 26, whatever that scripture is referring to. But he was... He was going past some place, journeying past some place, and he saw the graves and the tombs of men who were away from God, and he began to clean up Israel. Not a house, but all of Israel. He began to clean it up. And he was so determined, he dug up the bones of the old priests that led them wrong and crushed those burns to bones to powder and burnt them and cast them out. And he cleansed Israel. And uh, the priestess, uh, the uh, prophetess rather, she sent word, says, whoever sent this message to you, take a message back to him that God, thus saith the Lord, he will still destroy this place. He will still destroy these this worship and all of these things. But nevertheless, because he had a tender heart towards God, these things will not come to pass in his days. 
and he will leave this world in peace. I tell you what, friends, and when he was 18 years old, uh, when he was 18 years old, he decided that he would have the Passover. And listen, I, I have the scripture here where it speaks of it. It says that there never was a Passover from the time of the judges in the book of Judges. There never was a time all through the years of the judges and all through the years of the kings, never was there a time where they had a Passover like that Passover. And that's a young fellow, 18 to 26 years old, which would include most of you here. Say, oh, well, he was royalty, he was a king. No, 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 no. I won't accept that. You're royalty also. And the thing is, he just decided something needed to be done, and he was going to do it. I want to tell you something, friends. I'm not just because I'm up here preaching. You've heard it many times about the message that God gave you, that God sent this generation. God has sent a message to this generation that your fathers did not have. And just a few years ago, they didn't have it. But we're too occupied with too many things. My education, what do you mean your education? Where's it going to go? What's it going to do for you? I'm not opposed to it, not a bit, not a bit. And we've got school teachers, we built a school here. But I can tell you one thing, I know that you have devotion at the school. But one thing you could have, which is a lot better, which is a very important integral part of your studies, would be to study what a prophet of God has said about this age. And believe it! And determine that uh, I'm not only here to learn to be a, a pilot or to be whatever, but I'm also learning to be a, a witness. Jesus said... You shall receive power. That's the kind of power he's talking about. And you shall be witnesses unto me. Not witnesses unto a church or just a way of belief or, or someone else. But you'll be a witness to me. Whether you believe it or not, I'm going to speak it. That was a gifted child. Josiah was a gifted child. They say, well, and I knew while I was studying, the people are, uh, people are inclined to, oh, just put that off someplace. Oh, that's, we've got some people in the world that are gifted in sports. And I read about them. And I've, I've heard of, of them, how they get up in the morning and, I have a cousin. She lives in Saskatoon, Saskatchewan. And it, it'd be so cold there, 30 degrees below zero or whatever more, but she had to take her boys to hockey. And she, she had five sons, I think two sets of twins. And she would go to hockey. She told me that I would leave the 
car running outside because in the middle of the night, just so she could put, bring some home, get them to bed, and then she had to get up early in the wee hours of the morning and get the others out of bed and take them to hockey training. I don't know. Did they become stars? I don't know. I doubt it. I don't imagine. But that's what she did as a mother. She put all that effort and all that into them, and they did all of that practice and everything else. Well, I would say this. It would be a lot better to have put it into the gospel somehow. I would like an amen out of this congregation. I thought of you, Brother Matthew. I thought of the... Uh, the Daz, I think Michael or was it Michael? Went to you went to Turkey with all right with Brother Mark Alho. You know, there's nothing wrong with putting a shell in the bullet or a bullet in the gun and it doesn't fire. There's nothing wrong with trying to do things. I have tried to do things. I've put a lot of emphasis on people. And some of it, uh, they, you know, maybe really became uh, something and others perhaps let it go. But on the other hand, it doesn't, it doesn't hinder uh, us to live the life that others can look to and be influenced by it. There was another gifted child. And he was seven or eight years old. He was carrying water in two sharp buckets. And that's not so long ago. He was carrying water to his father's still. He was making alcohol. Now that's not a very respectable thing perhaps for a, a church going boy. But his parents were Catholic and they were not religious, he said. And he's carrying water. You'd say, what kind of training is that? Carrying water to his father still. And it's a quiet day. And uh, there's a poplar tree. And uh, leaves start to move. Listen, friends, I'm going to tell you something that you have not heard. And that boy heard a voice in the tree. said, don't drink or smoke or defile your body in any way. When you're older, I have a work for you to do. Amen. Don't tell me that he's not a gifted child. Who knew he was a gifted child? A teacher who could teach him knew he was a gifted child. I'm going to take you and use you. How do you know who you are? You may be here visiting, but God knew you'd be here in this service, and he wanted you to hear what I am saying to this congregation and to those that are streaming. We don't know. Yes, we've got to be, you know, we've got to be plumbers and carpenters and mothers and whatever more. We've got to be that. We, but you don't know who's looking at you. And you don't know who, who you're affecting. 
You are affecting and influencing somebody. And how do you know who he who keeps the books? And the Bible says this, it's required of a servant that he be found faithful. Doesn't, doesn't say you've got to be successful. So you've got to be found faithful. The world is so inclined to push and push and push people almost over the edge. You know, they've got to be successful and they've got to meet certain budgets and they've got to meet a certain, uh, certain levels of, uh, they've got to attain certain things. But I say one thing, if you can come before God and you can just kneel and say, I did my very best for you. I taught, I taught my children. I was a mother. I said to my wife the other day, maybe she doesn't feel, she had a high IQ, but she said, how do you know about an IQ? So many things I didn't learn, and I've never worked. She worked before I was married to her. She was a legal steno for two lawyers. But she never carried on with that because we got married. And I said, what kind of value do you have? Who has attained to motherhood? You've attained to motherhood. You've been mother. And from somehow, for some reason, I know nothing about it, but Almighty God saw that your daughters would be here with you, that you would worship with them. Where do we put the value? How do we evaluate these things? Is that a gifted child or is not gifted? It makes no difference because at the end of the road, you want him, you want to hear him say, well done, thou good and faithful servant. doesn't matter whether we just hoe the field or hoe the potatoes or the garden or whatever, but we were faithful to the call of God in our lives and faithful to our place. Hallelujah. It may be nothing more than sitting in the house of God and you're always here and you sit in the house of God and you always are testifying that what I believe and this message I believe in and this person I believe in is something that's divine and respected as such. Now I'm just started. Is that all right? I'm not going to drag this out. I'll be watching my time. And this young person who I said was bringing his his father, alcoholic father, water for his still, he also stood in a motel room with me. And now you're looking at the person. And he said, Brother Eddie, he said, if you ask me what I would sooner have, five minutes with my daddy, or have gold bricks 
stacked from the floor to the ceiling of this room. He said, I would sooner have five minutes with my daddy. And yet, I don't know about his father. I don't know. I know that he was an alcoholic, and maybe, maybe the prophet prayed with him, I believe, before he passed away. But this is what I said I would tell you, so you won't have to remind me. When Brother Branham was a young man, like you young men here, he went with a young girl. He calls it his girlfriend. Brother Branham has this picture taken with her daddy. It's actually on the internet, and I'm sure that many don't know, but he went with a young lady. And that young lady was the one who tried to get him to smoke. And Sister Biscoll and I were in Florida. And the pastor of the church said, would you like to meet Brother Branham's girlfriend? I said, I certainly would. He said, well, we'll go and get her. And a short time later, in came an elderly woman. And we sat with her and faced her. I said, did you, did you know that Brother Branham was a prophet of God? No. She said, we didn't. And maybe that's why you're here. She said, he did tell us that, he, that he'd hear voices in the trees that would speak to him. And I said, well, would you like to receive Jesus Christ? Yes, she said, I would. I said, I'll pray with you. <laughs> one of the great, one of the great events of my life was able to lead her to Jesus Christ. And I thought right away of the words, all that I loved and all that loved me. And she opened up her purse and took out a picture. It's a picture of Brother Branham in a heart, in a heart piece of like showboard, small like that. And she held it in her hands. And she looked past my head, looked over me, looking into some distant place and said, I still love him. I thought that was remarkable. And she wanted to come to the service that evening and be prayed for, for some physical ailment as well. And, and I think she's gone now. But I had a picture, I have a picture of her father. And I thought that he was, uh, I thought that he was Brother, uh, who's that brother, Brother Branham talked about the old brother that always was with him. Pardon? Bosworth? Uh, Bosworth, yes. I thought it was Brother Bosworth, but it turned out to be her dad. Now, 
he went with this girl. But that gift, and he, Brother Brown tells about, he came back and he says, his girl was smoking. And she told me while I sat there, she said, I tried to get him to smoke. She's just confirming the message. I tried to get him to smoke, but she said he wouldn't. And then we moved to Arizona, and he followed us to Arizona. Now, friends, I'm telling you this just because it's necessary for you to let Brother Branham be a man also. Don't elevate it to some place that, uh, don't elevate, you can't elevate it more than God did. He was the messenger to the age, and no one else can take that place. God gave him the highest position of anyone that walked on the face of the earth, I would say, since Jesus. There are other great people. But from Genesis 1 and 2 to Easter Sunday, 2018, a bride formed out of this churning mass. We could study this mass of darkness which you have to live amongst, and that won't do anything for us. But when you realize that the one I'm speaking of, God, picked you out of this churning mass and said, you are going to be a part of my body. You, furthermore, are going to be part of the bride of Jesus Christ. Let me tell you something. There isn't another person on the earth that can give you that place. God himself. Am I preaching over your head? Am I making it too exotic? No, I don't think so. I'm saying you talk about gifted people. And you hear a lot of messages over this pulpit of telling you who you are. Amen. Let me tell you something, friends. You may, not, you may not make a big mark in the world, but I will say one thing. If you just live solidly for Jesus Christ, you make a mark wherever you are in this world, and you have been a success. You have been, you will hear the words, and I'm going to say over this pulpit, you will hear the words, well done. You might say, well, when was it? When did I feed the poor? When did I do this? When You don't know when you're doing it. Somebody may be looking at you, watching you during the week, and you're influencing someone, then I... Now, I, I thought I was a f fearful that I might, this is Brother Tim, what I was talking about. When a person gives themselves to God and they're in their place, they may just be a mother or a father doing dishes or whatever more and influencing another life into the right pathway, the pathway of God. Is that the power of God, or is it the power of man? I say it's the power of God. 
And that person gives themselves and surrenders themselves under the correct life example that God placed in front of them, then that person is receiving the gift of God. And they are a gifted person that they even have a, a, a sense to accept that and receive that. As Charles, Charles uh, Wesley's father said on his deathbed, I believe it was, he said, it's the inner witness, son, the inner witness. You might say, well, that wasn't a great sermon. It's not great sermons that get great people. It's simple things that have been said to them. It's the inner witness. And I want to say to you, friends that are here, you might be enticed a certain direction or to make a, a decision that isn't exactly correct, but it's the inner witness. And if you listen to your heart, the Holy Spirit is faithful to tell us what is right. Amen. Brother Brennan refers to Genesis, the first chapter. Excuse me, I want to hurry along here. And he says, the Spirit of God moved upon the face of the waters. We realize that the water and he said, the Bible said in the beginning back there, uh, that, that this, the world was without form and void and was void. There was nothing but just a darkness of chaos. And while I read that, I, I said to myself, that's where we're at. This mass of humanity that crawls over the face of the earth, over seven billion people, is nothing but a mass of chaos. People are lost. They don't know where they're going. They'll reach at this and reach at that. And Satan has, has sent and he has used all the technology that he has derived from the tree of knowledge. And he sends all of his perversion throughout all the world. Friends, we're here in a church, but we're not to act like saints that that doesn't touch us. You know that you see it. You know that you hear it. It's in the magazines. It's in the newspaper. It's on the radio. And wherever you are, you see it on the streets. People are lost. And they talk about this crisis and that crisis. Who created the crisis? Where did it come from? The opiate, opiate crisis and all the drug addiction and the hundreds that have died. Here, in, we don't have to talk about hell. We're talking about it right here in our city. This city of Vancouver, one of the worst spots in the country. What is it? It's a mass of darkness. A, a mass of lost darkness, as the prophet said, of, of the earth that we're standing on. This earth was nothing but a mass loss of darkness uh, spinning off into space until, until it came under the influence of the Word of God. Listen, you're sitting here today, and you are under the influence of the spoken Word of Almighty God. And you are being changed. You are being transformed by that word and made into sons and daughters of God. In fact, his 
when we take on, we hear of the change of the body. When you take on the change of the body, that'll be a very small step. The last step's a very small step. The rest of it is now. Now we're being changed. Now we're being transformed. Now we're under the influence of the power of transformation. Hallelujah. And the prophet of God has just made us aware of it. What is happening? I can tell you that this message is the power of God to the transforming of you as an individual. Give yourself to it. I don't have any... I don't have any apology for that. He said, and what a horrible shape it must have been in. Nothing but way into the darkness yonder without light or anything. You can say, that was me. That was me. I was out there. I was out in the darkness, just uh, not knowing where I was going, not knowing why I was here. And he says, in the churning of the water, and that wandering star twisted around and around the orbits out there somewhere, it must have been a terrifying, terrific mass of something lost like it was, couldn't find its way. And now he said this, I've highlighted it. And that's what we become when we become wandering stars away from God. Just without hope, without God, without just a churning around out in the darkness, not knowing when and where we're going. I want to announce to you, I'm not just caught in the emotion of this moment. I want to announce to you, this God, this God, this Holy One of Israel, this Holy God that created all things, gave you life, knew who your mother and father were going to be, has brought you here, but he called you for a divine purpose. You're a gifted child. You'll need to recognize that to get the rest of my message. I want to speak about another gifted child. I got a picture of him here. You don't know his name, but I'll give you his name and you'll know him right away. Hudson Taylor. How many here have ever heard of Hudson Taylor? Hold your hand up high, please. The rest of you, I'm introducing him to you. This is Hudson Taylor. This is somewhere between the boy carrying the two little buckets of water syrup pails to his father's whiskey still. This man here, Hudson Taylor, 
when he was 17. Who's 17? Is there anybody 17? Stand up. You'll be a good one to stand up, Abraham. Abraham Wong. I don't know if Hudson Taylor had a daddy like you have. Thank you, Abraham. He was your age when he decided. He was 17 years old when he decided he needed to go to China. He arrived in Shanghai, China, when he was about 20 or 21. He spent 51 years in China. He went there 11 times. He learned Greek, Latin, Mandarin. He translated the Bible also best that he could, and I have nothing to say about that. He labored incredibly was very sick and had to come back. And about the same time, there was another gifted child. And I will, I doubt that you know much about him. His name was C.T. Studd. But he was a star. He was a sports star. He played on a national team for cricket in England. His father was a wealthy, wealthy man. He was what was called a country gentleman. Had a large estate with racehorses and this kind of thing. And when he gave himself, listen friends, he wasn't born there. He committed himself to go God's direction and to listen to God's voice. And he just became consumed with the kingdom of God, not the kingdom of earth. I want to move you from the kingdom of this world. It's all destined for ashes. Don't give your life for ashes. You're worth something more than ashes. He also was a gifted child. Gifted by this world's standards. He went to the fine college. And his father was a wealthy man. His father died and left him all his wealth. You know what he did? He gave it all away. He just gave it away. That's what he felt to do. And you, if you read some of the Proverbs of, of C.T. Studd, It'll sting you. These are not men of the ancient past. These are not men of the Old Testament. These are men in a generation, just a generation or two ago. In fact, these are men, both Hudson Taylor and C.T. Studd, are men of the generation just past, which Brother Branham called the age of the open door. And they were obsessed with the spirit that was on them for that age. We can't replicate or duplicate that. We're called perhaps for something else. 
And when you see burden, someone's burdened, that is why perhaps I am so attracted, not with admiration, to Brother Murphy. I see a man that travels. I see a man that gives us life. The least we can do, the very least we can do is pray. The very least we can do is pray and give. What we do in this life won't amount to a whole lot. And I can, I can tell you this now because I faced the other side. I know what I'm talking about. And I have received letters that I didn't know. I don't know the people yet. I One I have met as a young man. But I have received letters that said, we stream the services of Cloverdale Bible Way. And our confidence, he says, what do you do there? I and a number of churches, he's a pastor. He said, a number of churches here in South Africa, if we see you do it, we do the same thing. If you start doing something, we do that. That didn't make me feel great. I was thankful, but I want to say this to you, friends. It's just wonderful if you can say, Father or friend, your footsteps have, have inclined mine. And I have been moved. I'm very, very attached to the one that you have given yourself to. I've given myself. I see that it's worthwhile. And I want to say something to this congregation. And perhaps that might not register with everybody. But I want to say to everybody in this congregation, and those of you that are on the, on the internet, if you want the blessing of God, find out what God has blessed. If you want the blessing of God, and I was not a very smart person, but I begin to realize that God was blessing this message. He had sent his word and, and I cannot tell you, you may sit here and listen to me, friends, but I want you to absorb this. Please absorb this. God, when he sent out his word, and he knew that it was going to take that churning mass of darkness and bring it into a, a beautiful Eden, and the prophet speaks about and bring it into that kind of life. Now he sees a mass of, Billions of people in such idolatry and such darkness, but he's going to send out his word and tell his spirit and send his spirit, you're going to brood over these people. I have my sons and daughters are out there. <clears throat> you must find them. And you must brood over them. And they're going to come. Don't tell me that the one who's given his life to be a witness, to be a testimony to, to these people. We don't know who they are. It might be your neighbor. It might be someone across the sea. I don't know who they are. Brother Tim, Brother John, that's why we preach.
And I've told you here before, but I'll tell it once again. And I have to admit and confess that I was, I have been all my life from a young man in my late teens. I had a phrase that my wife said, I didn't hear it from other. And I can tell you, I didn't learn it in school. I didn't learn it from my peers. I didn't learn it. But I remember saying it. I just said, I just love the Word of God. It would speak to me. And I'd see myself, I was just an average, almost like a homeless guy. I'd just see, I, I, I felt connected with those people. I felt, and as I heard now Brother Branham say, just stand on the side of the path. See where you'd stand when the Lord Jesus was here. Friends, the foxes have holes and the birds of the air have nests, but the Son of Man had nowhere to lay his head. He knows what the darkness and mass is, and he sent his spirit out, and his spirit is under a commission. Find them. Brood over them until you bring them out of the darkness and shape them and mold them into a bride. Mold them into this kind of a life. And friends, that's exactly what's happening. That's exactly what's taking place. And I want to say to you without any hesitation, you're a gifted person. Almighty God, who could have had the stars, he could have had some glorious thing, but he said, no, I want a family. I want a family. And I'm going to, I'm going to predestinate, I'm going to ordain how they even come. And they'll come, there's a certain part of me, a certain reflection, a certain way I want to be seen. I want to be felt. And friends, friends, that's why we get moved by certain things. We get affected by certain things. And we are here for one purpose, to affect the people godly. But I have been obsessed all my life. If this message could answer the questions that were in my heart, Somebody else has to hear it. Somebody else has the same question. Do you think that is too, is that being too severe? I, I think it's trying. Someone else has the same question. Twelve thirty, so I'm going to close right away. You might say, well, you've talked for over an hour now. What do I actually do when I leave these doors? 
I'll tell you what to do. I'll tell you what to do. Because the Bible, which we read, tells us what to do. Our minds need to be renewed. Be ye transformed by the renewing of your minds. We can't put that off in someone else. You have a mind. We have a mind. You have some thoughts. And I don't care what you think about the preaching. We're not interested in the style of preaching right now. And we're, not, we're, we're interested in what God has said in his word. Be ye transformed by the renewing of your mind. That's not some idle words. Those are true words. Those are sent to certain people. This man who we had up on the screen, he arrived, let's see, I had it here, if I can't find it. Yes, Hudson Taylor, he spent 51 years in China. The society that he began with response, was responsible for bringing over 800 missionaries to China who began 125 schools and directly resulted in 18,000 Christian conversions as well as the establishment of more than 300 stations of work and with more than 500 local helpers in all 18 provinces. That was that man. And C.T. Studd met him over in China and became involved, went to India, and then finally went to Congo, and he died in the Belgian Congo. For you people that are here from the Congo. C.T. Studd, who was very, very close would say, well, these men have done incredible things. <clears throat> you don't know what we do. You don't know what you've done. You know, I look personally, I look, my daughters have had an effect on me. People of the church have had an effect on me. Sometimes the person who might feel they are the least in the, in the body of Christ have had an effect on me. I believe that I want to believe that we were able to have an effect. And, and if I was able to even have a... That's why, friends, please, I hope I just can make it clear to you. I wasn't expecting to do some great thing in front of in front of William Branham to make him admire us, whatever more. No, no, that wasn't it. It was like the woman in the Bible. And she had such an effect upon Elijah or Elisha, Elijah I believe it was. She had such an effect. Hey, she's just a woman. 
She's looking after the house. She's saying to her husband, can't we have a place? This is a holy man of God. Now, he didn't come and announce to her he was holy. He didn't come announce to her he was a prophet. He just said, couldn't we have a place where he can rest? I see him going by here. And so she has a place. Y'all maybe tell you. We had a radio broadcast that covered all of the United States, big parts of Canada, and southern part of Africa, in an area inhabited by 87 million people. We got a letter here to Cloverdale Bible Way. And the letter said, we can no longer handle your broadcast. And Brother Roger Smith, who was with us at that time and was announcing and doing a lot of the ministerial work, he said, what shall we do? And I said, well, just wait till I get back and I'll go and see him. So I went and saw the young man. He actually had been a minister's son who was running a company and he started out called Christian Ministries. And he said, now he had become a multimillionaire and a very wealthy man himself. <clears throat> so he said, we have to, in a letter, we have to dis discontinue your broadcast. It wasn't meaning we would be off the air, but he wouldn't handle it anymore. And so I got into, the, into his office, and now an office where he, he was only sharing a girl about three years before. Now he's got a great big staff. And I had to wait. They said, well, you have to wait for a little while. He's going to be, he's on the phone with Jimmy Swigert. So I was on the phone. I was not on the phone. I'm sorry. I sat down and waited for him. I waited about an hour and a half, and finally I got into his office. Lovely, beautiful furniture, nicer than anything here. So I sat down. <clears throat> said, I'm sorry, Brother Ed. He always called me Brother Ed. said, I'm sorry that I was on the phone with Jimmy Swaggart. And I said, well, I said, I just received a letter from you, from Christian Ministries in Bellingham. And he, he bowed his head and he shook his head. Oh, he said, I'm so sorry, he said. I'm so sorry that I had to send that to you. And he said, I'll just share something with you that no one really knows. My family doesn't know. But he said, I'm driving down I-5 and everything just goes black and I go blind from pain in my body and I pull off. I had enough presence of mind to pull off. And he said, and uh, I was under extreme exhaustion. And they took me into the hospital, and the hospital told me, uh, you've got to cancel some of your work. And he said, and I was, given a, I was given a criteria, and you fell under that. And uh, so he said, that's why I sent that to you. I said, no, that's fine. That's fine. Michael, his name was Michael. I said, that's fine, Michael. I said, I just wanted to give you a testimony. I said, some years ago, 
I became aware that Brother Branham was a great man of God. That's all I knew. And I wanted to give him a place where he could go and have a rest. And I thought Northern British Columbia. It wasn't a bed now. It wasn't a, pace, a pitcher of water. It was just a place where he could rest. I said, I, and so I invited him and he came. And this is what happened. And I told him the whole story. And I said, he came up there and... and and then I said, then we wanted to get his message, or the message that God had sent. We wanted to get it into the local area. <clears throat> you came and actually visited us. You said you'd like to handle that broadcast. I said, I know that your father, years later now, a few years, you listened to, he listened to our broadcast before it even went out to the people. Some of our people would come in here and hear, hear Brother Branham's voice when the door was closed. And he's listening to it. Yes, he said, that's right. I said, we, we, we didn't know. Perhaps you don't know like we do now. I said, that, that was Elijah. That was the spirit of Elijah. God had sent it down as a messenger with a message in this time. I said, you didn't know, but, and we didn't know it. I said, and I just wanted to give him a rest. I said, and from that time, and then you took the broadcast. When others wouldn't have it, you took it. And I said, I believe at that time, your business just went like this. He said, that's exactly right. And furthermore, he said, we're going to keep your broadcast. And they kept it right to the very end. Now I'm giving you some testimony. These aren't just hearsay stories, friends. This, this is what happened. And if I'm not here in a year or two, whatever, God gives me time, if I'm here, I will be saying the same thing. But I just decided there were things you needed to hear. You need to believe. You need to take a hold of it. I hear these other brothers preaching, preaching their hearts out. Telling the people who they are. Who they are in Christ. It's not up to us just to sit back and say, well, that's nice. No, give yourself to it. Yield to it. Even if you get up out of this service today, <coughs> excuse me, and say, one thing I will do. I'll commit myself to be a message, to be a witness to this glorious message whether it's here, whether it's just to our friends, whether it's just to the girls in the school or the fellows in the school, I'll give myself to it. I'll speak of it wherever I have an opportunity. I'll do what I can. I'll do what I can at the house of God. I'll do what I can for the gospel of Jesus Christ because this message is worth everything that I have. Is that all right? Yeah. I hadn't intended on spending the whole time on this gifted children, but I think it's very, very important. <clears throat> Amen. 
I want to close with this one quote. Brother Branham says this, and I want to take it, I want you to take it to your heart. And this is not personal, but he says, I'm old now. I'm not, lo- I'm not young like you all. And he says, and he was talking about he had to take notes now, where he, in previous life, he didn't have to take notes. And he said, uh, but he said, I did that. I do that. I've been through many hard battles, he said. And, and he said, and I've done that to bring you where you are today. And he says, and that's the way it is. <clears throat> we, make, we make a way for one another. And he says, and then there were some that went ahead of me and made the way for me. He says, and that's the way it is. That's God's plan. We make a way for one another. I want to say to this congregation, to these people, and to all that are here, we have a divine commission. I don't say that because I'm up here preaching. I say that because... I've spent my life at it. These men have spent their life at it. The prophet of God spent his life at it. And it's worthy of our effort. And you in your home, just find a way that you maybe can get it across. If it's as simple as leaving a message book someplace. Leave it lay there. How do you know somebody might not pick it up and read something that will speak to their soul? And this is Almighty God sending His Spirit and directing people and creating a hunger in one. And then they find a, a message book laying there. They find the Word of God laying there. <clears throat> read of some man of God and affected his life. And you don't have to read about them. They're here. They're sitting with you in this congregation. We are, we are making a way for one another. And God bless you. I'll say to Brother Murphy, he's influenced my life. You might never have an opportunity but this is what I spend my time doing. You're influencing somebody, and somebody's influencing you. And this is what Brother Branham said about influence.
He said, uh, <clears throat> and God told Balaam, and he was a prophet. First, he told him, don't go down. But the influence of those other men caused him to go to do it contrary to the way of God. I'm just leaving that with you. It's all right to hear what other people have to say. But you don't let what the others have said to, con to influence you to go another direction. That's good for everybody, young, old, or whoever. Contrary to what God said. And then he said, this little five senses that we all have, you have. He said, that's just a little world of our own. But God, he said, <clears throat> that we was only given so we could contact our earthly home. <clears throat> but there are senses beyond that. Another dimension. And God is always present. I'll just listen real close. This God we're talking about, the God that spoke to Lazarus, he's always present. Is Brother Branham telling a lie? No, I don't think so. In this building tonight, he said, and I'll say in this building now, today, stands Jesus Christ. In this building is hosts of angels, thousands of them, gathered around. You don't see them, but you can feel the influence of them telling you that they are here. You may not feel it at this moment, but perhaps during the service, or maybe while we were worshiping, you feel some a super sense. Something comes and begins to well up within you. You might not know what it is, but I'm here to tell you. It's the influence of angels from another realm, from another world, from another dimension, trying to tell you and make you conscious. We are here. God is here. The one we worship is here. Jesus Christ is here. That and when this influence of the Holy Ghost, you may not feel it, you may not sense it, you may not know. Now I've been quite a long time in this service, but when this influence of the Holy Ghost, I want to tell you what he does. The influence of the Holy Ghost struck them. It filled them. And they seen the word that Jesus promised and fulfilled. I'm, I'm standing here today as a witness. When I was a child, when I was a young fellow, the age of you guys, I wanted to be a, a lawyer. My dad thought I should be a, maybe a doctor or something. 
or a lawyer. I'm not, a, I'm not proud of it. I had to drop out when I was in grade 10. In grade 9, my father decided to move from northern Canada down here. I was his son. I was just doing what sons do. My sister had already gotten married. I was 14. I don't know what you're doing when you're 14. I was just 14. Just following along with the events of life. It wasn't all, all good. I was raised up in a very, very cold area. I'm witnessing to you, now I'm telling you a witness. And my father stopped in a certain town over here about 250, 300 miles away, called Vernon, B.C. And people were gathering from all over and gathering to the arena. And so we went to the doors to get a seat there, and it was packed with people. And that's when I was 14. I, that was the first time I saw Brother Branham come on the platform. And a man from Vancouver was his manager. Ern Baxter. And Ern Baxter came up, and I'll never forget it. He said, now, when Brother Branham comes out, he will not pray for anybody until the angel of the Lord is here at the platform. I thought, wow, I've heard about angels. I've heard about them in church. Am I, I'm going to see a man that's talked to an angel? I thought, I was way up in the balconies. I'm saying something I haven't said before. I was up there with Billy Paul. I was up there with some other kids that were about 14, 15. And we were just rambling, just teenagers. I wasn't very good in school. But I consider myself, and I'm saying this for the first time, I'm considering myself a gifted child. because something gave a desire in me to leave the gang and come down and sit right about where Amy is on the, on the edge of the aisle. I don't know how I got that chair. People were offering money, I suppose, for the chairs. They couldn't get a chair, but I got a chair. And I sat there and I thought, I'm going to see a man. Let's talk to an angel. And out came Brother Branham. And that's the night I saw a blind girl healed, which I never forget. And then years later, you know, we're just doing what comes naturally. And I end up being a preacher. End up preaching. Perhaps like Michael. Mike Andes. Just started preaching. I just thought, you know, the Word of God would speak to me. And I still remember some of those early messages that I spoke. I spoke on if he'd known, if he'd only known in what watch the thief would come, he would have watched and not 
have his house broken up. I spoke that. But during in the midst of all of that, and now I'm going to come home where you are. There's people that have said, well, the message says this here, and it says something else over there, and we don't know exactly what it says. That's not new. That's why I said that's, that's, that's just old stuff. I can tell you where the Bible says this over here and says that over there. I can say, Jesus said, go and teach all nations and baptize them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Ghost. And then Peter went and baptized him in the name of the Lord Jesus. So it was a big question. Hey, these weren't a bunch of dummies. They were honest people. And I had preachers and and they would argue and back and forth and I just didn't like to argue. They said, how are you going to be baptized? So years later, I want to know <clears throat> this man who came out on the platform in Vernon when I was 14. Now I'm 27. So 10, 12, 13 years have gone by. Is he still the same? How does he baptize? And the big question was, is the angel still here with him? That one who said the angel of the Lord, I believed in that angel. I believed in that pillar of fire. I believed in that with all my heart. Is it all right if I give you this testimony? I'm just finished with it just now. So I thought, now, now we come right up to our time. A few years ago, I wondered, is that angel still with him? So I'll take him up for a rest. But I wondered, is the angel still with him? If the angel isn't there, I've got a big problem. And now I've talked to the native Indian people about him. I've talked to all about these things that have happened in the supernatural and the evidence of the resurrection. Is he still there? If he's not there, I'm in a real fix. So I went up. And that's why, friends, it means so much to me. And we're out in the wilderness, way out in the total wilderness. Now I'm, I, I'm just going to be a couple minutes yet. And I... I was just churning inside. That mass of darkness was inside because I didn't have an answer to some things. I preached, yeah. I played the guitar. We sang. We had services. People came. They were happy. They shook our hand. I know what church is. I know what church is. I know that people can enjoy it and have a wonderful time. Listen to me, my dear friends, my precious young fellows. I'm speaking to you right out of my soul. We're not here to create a church for you. We're not here just to create a church atmosphere. We're here to tell you this is a living message, and if it's not, I want to leave the scene and be gone out of here. But this is a living message, and so here I am. Now, and I'm wondering, 
Is the angel still there? So I'm at 27, and I'm up in the mountains. And he says these words that I never forgot. I, I never forgot when he would say, just little things, maybe you'd remember this. He put up his hand, and I, it just was such a remarkable thing to me. He said, he's here, and now I take every spirit here under my control. That to me seemed like such an outstanding thing. He's here, and that, those words just were anchored, Brother Roy, in my heart. And so, here we are, we're just doing what we always do. We're just hunting. I got my gun over the shoulder. We're just doing what we always do. We live up in the north, and we, uh, this is what we do. We just live there. I tie my moccasins a certain way, and just, you know, just wear regular clothes. I'm like the woman going to the well. But I've got huge questions inside, and they're not answerable. No man, I have wonderful ministers, and I respect them, but no one can convince me. It should be this way, or it should be that way, or the Godhead, or the baptism, and the serpent seed, I didn't want to talk about it. Now I'm telling you my testimony, because I have your ear, and I have this privilege, and I'm going to close right away. He said, so we're having this little walk. I'm trying to give him a little rest. But the one that is speaking through him wants to answer my questions. You know how long I've wrestled with these questions? Probably 10 years. 10 years, God let me wrestle with them. 10 years, God let me be out in a kind of a wilderness. 10 years. You might say, well, I got questions. Forget it. The God you claim and the God you're worshiping, he knows about that. And he'll answer that in his time. He doesn't go on our time. He goes on his own time. He'll answer your question. You ask it and hold it honestly before God. He'll answer it. Do you believe that? He will answer it. You have questions. Your question might be, is this true? He'll tell you it's true or not. So we're sitting on a log. That's why it means so much to me. And I mention it every once in a while. And he said, he said, I believe I was riding on my, I was riding on my horse on this mountain over here. And he says, he came to me there. As soon as he said he came to me there, I just turned my head looked at him right in his eyes. Brother Nathan, his eyes were deep set. His countenance had changed a bit. I just looked at him and he looked at me. He said, I believe you have three questions. You want to ask me? If he said four, I wouldn't be here. I believe you have three questions you want to ask me. And they were stacked in my heart in a certain order. The first one was the Godhead, and the second one was the baptism, and the third one was the serpent seed. And he, he named those three. 
like that. What was God doing? He was sending his word to a darkened, confused mass. And when I say tonight, or this today, it was a chaotic mass when he spoke to the world. And on the weekend, I said, during the week I was studying, I said, we are that mass. I live amongst that. That's here in the world. It's all over the place. We live in it. I said, God, help the people this morning. Help them. That they might know that their God is not the author of the mass. He speaks to it. And don't worry about it, friends. Whatever you do, don't worry about it. He knows exactly how to bring and he's going to bring a beauty. Fact is, I don't have the time. I'd love to be able to take the time. But it's a, he's speaking to it with an intent. I'm going to form this. You know, not just answer the questions. I'm going to form this into the beauty of a bride that is my bride. And that's what's happening. And I can tell you here, he knows how to answer questions. We'll pray. Heavenly Father, you're so kind. You're so kind. You help us in these moments, Lord, as I seek, oh God, just to give myself and give parts of my life as you sent your messenger, you did not prevent him from his sorrows. You did not prevent him to live without any problem, without any trouble. Oh God, I think of how you allowed him even to see his little daughter die and not, not deliver her from her sickness when you would knew that you would send that man to pray for a multitude of people, and he would do so. I pray, Father, you'll take these words, feeble as they may be, you'll take these words and cause, have caused me as I spoke to you today and said, you, Holy Spirit, be the speaker. Be the one that says something to the souls of the people. In Jesus' name, amen. amen. Would you like to stand? I'd like to sing, good, oh, how I love him, how I adore him. Perhaps the chorus part. Sing it, and I like to sing it as I would like to sing it. 
just a little bit more oomph, if you know what that means. Oh, how I love him. we love you. We've come to the close of this service. I pray that you'll bless this people, oh God. I pray that you'll bless Brother Murphy Wong as he comes to the pulpit. May the living word of God come off of those pages, printed in black and white, but may they come off of the pages and be a living testimony to him and what you've done for the people, oh God, in his country. I pray now you'll bless the word to us. And the words that have been spoken now this morning, Father, I've just sought to give it by way of part testimony and part preaching. I pray that you'll bless the people, Father, in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. Amen and amen, amen. Hallelujah. Just turn to somebody and greet them and thank them for being here and being with you and being a part of you. God bless you.